Section 5 of Beacon Lights of History, Volume 10, European Leaders, by John Lord. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by K. Hand. Cavour, Part 1. 1810 to 1861. United Italy. The most interesting and perhaps important event in the history of Europe in the interval between the fall of Napoleon I and that of Napoleon III, a period of fifty-six years, from 1815 to 1871 was that which united the italians under the government of victor emmanuel as a constitutional monarchy free of all interference by foreign powers the freedom and unity of italy are to be considered however only from a political point of view the spiritual power still remains in the hands of the pope who reigns as an ecclesiastical monarch over not only italy but all roman catholic countries as the popes have reigned for a thousand years that venerable and august despotism was not assailed or even modified in the separation of the temporal from the spiritual powers it was rather probably increased in influence at no time since the reformation has the spiritual authority of the roman pontiff been greater than it is at the present day nor can any one however gifted and wise foretell when that authority will be diminished the holy father still reigns and is likely long to reign as the vice-regent of the almighty in all matters of church government in catholic countries and as the recognized interpreter of their religious faith so long as people remain roman catholics they must remain in allegiance to the head of their church they may cease to be catholics and no temporal harm will happen to them but the awful power remains over those who continue to abide within the pale of the church of his spiritual subjects the pope exacts as he has exacted for centuries absolute and unconditional obedience through his ministers one great hierarchy of priests the most complete and powerful mechanism our world has seen for good or evil built up on the experience of ten centuries and generally directed by consummate sagacity and inflexibility of purpose i have nothing here to say against this majestic sovereignty which is an institution rather than a religion most of the purely religious dogmas which it defends and enforces are equally the dogmas of a majority of the protestant churches founded on the teachings of christ and his apostles the doctrines of st augustine and thomas aquinas the great authorities of the catholic church were substantially embraced by luther calvin cranmer and the westminster divines the protestants rebelled mainly against the usurpations and corruptions of the catholic church as an institution not against the creed of the fathers and schoolmen and theological doctors in all catholic countries the nicene and apostles creeds bind together all orthodox christians whether of the roman or greek or protestant churches thus in speaking of the liberation and unity of italy as affected by an illustrious band of patriots aided by friendly powers and fortunate circumstances i mean freedom in a political sense the papal yoke so far as it was a yoke was broken only in a temporal point of view the pope lost only his dominions as a temporal sovereign nothing of his dignity as an ecclesiastical monarch and we are to consider his opposition to victor emmanuel and other liberators chiefly as that of a temporal prince like ferdinand of naples the great italian revolution which established the sovereignty of the king of sardinia over the whole peninsula was purely a political movement religious ideas had little or nothing to do with it communists and infidels may have fought under the standards of mazzini and garibaldi but only to gain political privileges and rights italy remained after the revolution as before a catholic country in considering this revolution which destroyed the power of petty tyrants and the authority of foreign despots which gave a free constitution and a national unity to the whole country the rule of one man by the will of the people and the checks which a freely elected legislature imposes 
it will be my aim to present chiefly the labors and sacrifices of a very remarkable band of patriots working in different ways and channels for the common good and assisted in their work by the aid of friendly states and potentates but underneath and apart from the matchless patriotism and ability of a few great men like Desaglio, manzini garibaldi manin cavour and not least the king of sardinia himself who reigned at turin as a constitutional monarch before the revolution should be mentioned the almost universal passion of the italian people to throw off the yokes which oppressed them whether imposed by the king of naples or by the pope as a temporal prince or by austria or by the various princes who had divided between them the territories of the peninsula diverse yet banded together to establish their respective tyrannies and to suppress liberal ideas of government and all reforms whatsoever all who could read and write and even many who could not except those who were dependent on the government or hopelessly wedded to the ideas and institutions of the middle ages that conservative class to be found in every country who cling to the past and dread the future had caught the contagion spread by the apostles of liberty in france in spain in greece in england the professors and students in the universities professional men and the well-to-do of the middle classes were foremost in their discontent and in their zeal for reform they did not agree on their theories of government nor did they unite on any definite plan for relief many were utterly impractical and visionary some were at war with any settled government and hated all wholesome restraints communists and infidels who would destroy without substituting anything better instead some were in favor of a pure democracy and others of representative governments some wanted a republic and others a constitutional monarchy but all wanted change there was one cry one watchword common to all personal liberty freedom to act and speak without the fear of inquisitions spies informers prisons and exile in naples in rome in bologna in venice in florence in milan in turin there was this universal desire for personal liberty and the resolution to get it at any cost it was the soul of italy going out in sympathy with all liberators and patriots throughout the world intensified by the utterances of poets and martyrs and kept burning by all the traditions of the past by the glories of classic rome and by the aspirations of the renaissance when art literature and commerce revived the common people united with their intellectual leaders in seeking something which would break their chains they alike responded to the cries of patriotism in some form or other emancipate us from our tyrants and we will follow you wherever you choose to lead was the feeling of all classes we don't care who rules us or what form government may take provided we are personally free in addition to this passion for personal liberty was also the desire for united italy a patriotic sentiment confined however to men of great intelligence who scarcely expected such a boon so great were the difficulties and obstacles which stared them in the face it was impossible for the liberators of italy to have effected so marvelous a movement if the material on which they worked had not been so impulsive and inflammable it required an uncommon degree of patriotic ardor on the part of the mass of the people to follow leaders like garibaldi and manzini one of whom was rash to audacity and the other visionary and neither of whom had the confidence of the government at turin which however was not disposed to throw cold water on their enterprises or seriously to interfere with them one thing is clear that had not the italians on the whole been ripe for revolution it could not have succeeded as in france the coup d'etat of 1851 which enabled louis napoleon to mount the throne could not have succeeded twenty years earlier when he made his rash attempt at strasbourg all successful revolutions required the ready assent nay even the enthusiasm of the people 
the italian revolution was based on popular discontent in all parts of the country where the people were oppressed and on their enthusiastic aspirations for a change of rulers what could any man of genius however great his abilities have done without this support of the people what could the leaders of the american revolution have done unless the thirteen colonies had rallied around them certainly no liberated people ever supported their leaders with greater enthusiasm and more self-sacrifices than the italians had they been as degraded as has sometimes been represented they would not have fought so bravely the italian revolution in its origin dates back as early as eighteen twenty when the secret societies were formed especially that of the carbonari with a view to shake the existing despotisms the carbonari charcoal burners as they called themselves were organized first at naples this uprising at first successful in naples and piedmont was put down by austrian bayonets and the old order of things was restored a constitutional government had been promised to various italian states by the first napoleon in seventeen ninety six when he invited the italians to rally to his standard and overthrow the bourbon and austrian despotisms but his promises had not been kept never said that great liar to prince metternich will i give the italians a liberal system i have granted to them only the semblance of it equally false were the promises made by austrian generals in eighteen thirteen when the italians were urged to join in the dethronement of the great conqueror who had drafted them into his armies without compensation though italian liberty was suppressed by the strong arm of despotism its spirit was kept alive by the secret societies among whom were enrolled men of all classes but these societies had no definite ends to accomplish among them were men of every shade of political belief in general they aimed at the overthrow of existing governments rather than at any plan as to what would take their place when through their cobbles they had dethroned ferdinand i at naples he too like napoleon promised a constitution and swore to observe it but he also broke both his promises and oaths and when reinstated by irresistible forces he reigned more tyrannically than before when the revolution in the sardinian province of piedmont was suppressed eighteen twenty one king victor emmanuel i refused to grant further liberty to his subjects or to make promises which he could not fulfil in this state of mind the honest old king abdicated in favour of his brother charles felix who ruled despotically as austria dictated but did not belong to that class of despicable monarchs who promise everything and grant nothing in eighteen thirty one on the death of charles felix the throne of piedmont or rather sardinia as it was called when in seventeen twenty the large island of that name was combined with the principality of piedmont and other territories to form a kingdom was ascended by charles albert of the younger branch of the house of savoy charles albert was an honest sovereign but perpetually vacillating between the liberal and clerical parties he hated austria but was adverse to revolutionary measures he ruled wisely however effecting many useful reforms and adding to the prosperity of the country which was the best governed of all the italian states it was to him that mazzini appealed to put himself at the head of the national movement for liberty joseph mazzini one of the earliest of the prominent men who aided in the deliverance of italy was a native of genoa belonging to a good but not illustrious family he was a boy of twelve years of age when the revolution of eighteen twenty one broke out in piedmont which was so summarily crushed by austria at that early age he had indefinite ideas but thought that italians should boldly struggle for the liberty of their country in eighteen twenty six while a student at the university he published an article on dante whose lofty sentiments and independent spirit made a deep impression on his soul his love for his native land became like a fire in his bones 
it was a passion which nothing could repress he was an enthusiast of immense physical and moral courage pure-minded lofty in his aspirations imbued with the spirit of sacrifice as his mind developed he became an intense republican he had no faith in monarchies even if liberal heart and soul he devoted himself to the spread of republican ideas he early joined the carbonari who numbered nearly a million in italy and edited a literary paper in genoa in which he dared to rebuke the historian botta for his aristocratic tendencies he became so bold in the advocacy of extreme liberal opinions that his journal was suppressed by the government when the french insurrection broke out in eighteen thirty he and other young men betook themselves to the casting of bullets he was arrested and confined in the fortress of savona on the western riviera it was while in prison that he conceived the plan of establishing a society which he called young italy for the propagation of republican ideas when liberated he proceeded to geneva where he made the acquaintance of sismondi the swiss historian who treated him with great kindness and urbanity and introduced him to pellegrino rossi the exiled publicist at that time professor of law at geneva from geneva mazzini went to Lyon, and there collected a band of italian exiles mostly military men who contemplated the invasion of savoy hunted as a refugee he secretly escaped to marseilles and thence to corsica where the carbonari had great influence returning to marseilles he resumed his design of founding the association of young italy and became acquainted with the best of the exiles who had flocked to that city it was then he wrote to charles albert who had lately ascended the sardinian throne inviting him to place himself at the head of the liberal movement but the king at once gave orders to arrest the visionary enthusiast if found in his dominions the association of young italy which manzini founded and which soon numbered thousands of enthusiastic young men proclaimed as the basis of its political belief liberty equality humanity independence unity it was republican as favoring the only form of government which it was supposed would ensure the triumph of these principles it was unitary because without unity there was no true nationality or real strength the means to reach these ends mazzini maintained were not assassination as represented by the dagger of the carbonari but education and insurrection and insurrection by guerrilla bands as the only way for the people to emancipate themselves from a foreign yoke it was a foreign yoke under which italy groaned since all the different states and governments were equally supported by foreign armies so far as these principles harmonized with those proclaimed by the french revolutionists they met very little opposition from the italian liberals but national unity however desirable was pronounced chimerical how could naples rome venice florence sardinia and the numerous other states be joined together under one government and then under what form of government should this union be effected to the patriots of eighteen thirty one this seemed an insoluble problem mazzini from first to last maintained that the new government should be republican yet what more visionary than a united italy as a republic the sword or fortunate circumstances might affect unity but under the rule of only one man whether he were bounded by a constitution or not such a union mazzini would not entertain for a moment and persistently disseminated his principles in consequence a decree of banishment from france was proclaimed against him he hid himself in marseilles and the police could not find him from his secret retreat his writings continued to be issued and were scattered over france switzerland and italy and found readers and advocates at length in eighteen thirty three mazzini ventured to put his principles into practice and meditated the invasion of savoy 
to produce an insurrection at genoa and alessandra with amazing perseverance under difficulties he succeeded in collecting money and men and without military education or genius made his attempt defeated by the royal troops the expedition failed as might have been expected such a man should have fought with the pen and not the sword the enterprise was a failure from the start mazzini was sentenced to death but again he escaped and fled to berne whence he continued to issue his publications thus two or three years were passed when through the efforts of sundry italian governments the authorities of berne resolved to disperse the association of young italy mazzini again became a fugitive and in eighteen thirty seven found his way to england without money without friends without influence a forlorn exile fraternizing with doubt sorrow and privation struggling for more than a year in silence so poor at one time as to be compelled to pawn his coat and boots to keep himself from absolute starvation for he was too proud to beg thus did he preserve his dignity and uncomplainingly endure his trials at last he found means to support himself modestly by literature and gradually made friends among them thomas carlyle he gained social position as a man of genius of unsullied moral character and of elevated patriotism although his political opinions found but few admirers around his humble quarters the italian exiles gathered and received kind words of encouragement and hope some of them he was able to assist in their struggles with bitter poverty finally in eighteen forty eight mazzini returned to italy no longer molested to take part in the revolution which was to free his country he found power in the hands of the moderate progressive party the leader of this party was the marquis massimo de azeglio belonging to an ancient and aristocratic piedmontese family he was a man of great weight of character and intellectual expansion in eighteen forty six he was ordered to leave tuscany for having printed a book of liberal views which gave offence to the government he was opposed to the republican opinions of mazzini and was a firm advocate of a constitutional monarchy he desired reforms to be carried on moderately and wisely probably he was the most enlightened man in italy at this time and of incorruptible integrity he was well acquainted with the condition of the cities of italy having visited most of them and had great influence with charles albert who was doubtless patriotic in his intentions but disposed to move cautiously it was the aim of diazeglio to bring to bear an enlightened public opinion on the evils which were generally admitted without provoking revolutionary risings in which he had no faith like other italian patriots he desired to see his country freed from foreign domination and was as much disliked by metternich as by mazzini the austrian statesman ridiculed the idea of italian unity and called italy a geographical expression what he considered an impossibility is now realized as a fact his judgment of the papacy however was wiser a liberal pope he declared is not a possible being to all the reforms advocated by italian statesmen the pope whatever his name has remained consistently inflexible the words ascribed to the jesuits would apply to all the popes let us remain as we are or let us exist no longer to every proposition for reform the cry has been non possimus the minutest concession has been obstinately refused a fact so well known that even in rome itself no other course has been possible among its discontented people than absolute rebellion something was hoped from pius the ninth but all hopes of reforms at his hand vanished soon after his elevation in eighteen forty six he did indeed soon after his accession publish an amnesty for political offences but this was a matter of grace to show his kindness of heart not to indicate any essential change in the papal policy benevolence and charity are two different things from sympathy with reform and liberality of mind the first marked metternich and alexander i of russia as well as pius the ninth 
the most urbane and graceful of princes may be inflexible tyrants so far as government is concerned like augustus and louis the fourteenth you may be charmed with the manners and genial disposition and unaffected piety of a dignitary of the church but there can be no cordial agreement with him respecting the rights of the people any more than as to church dogmas even if you yield up ninety-nine points out of a hundred the intensest bigotry and narrowness are compatible with the most charming manners and the noblest acts of personal kindness this truth is illustrated by the characters drawn by sir walter scott in his novels and by hume in his histories it explains the inconsistencies of hospitable english tories of old-fashioned southern planters of the haughty nobles of austria who gathered around the table of the most accomplished gentlemen in europe equally famous for his graceful urbanities and infamous for his uncompromising hostility to the leaders of liberal movements on the other hand those who have given the greatest boons to humanity have often been rough in manners intolerant of infirmities bitter in their social prejudices hard in their dealings and acrid in their tempers and if they were occasionally jocular their jokes were too practical to be in high favor with what is called good society End of section five.